And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Matthew in chapter 28. The Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 28. Of course, as I've already restated, that we're in our series of the vision of the work. We're finishing it up very soon. And we're taking this week to highlight missions. What does the Bible say about missions? What is our part in missions? What are we supposed to do with it? And so... If you wouldn't mind, and you could forgive me, I'm more of an expositional preacher, but tonight's going to be a little bit more topical, but it's going to go to defining a word and explaining what God wants us to do. And so if you wouldn't mind, look with me in the gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 28. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 28, and if you wouldn't mind, notice with me, starting at verse number 18. Matthew 28, starting at verse 18, the word of God says this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Matthew 28? Matthew 28 and verse number 19, one word if you wouldn't mind, nations. In fact, put the word before that, all nations. All nations. And we're going to explain what does God mean by all nations. And so that's what I want to title it, all nations. If you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the great privilege to stand before these good folks and open up your word. And as I come up to you, I recognize my need of dying to self, that I am nothing. You use me in spite of me and not because of me. Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to settle down in your will, help me just to be dependent upon you, The best I know how, I surrender my thoughts, my ambitions, my desires, my goals. I I give them all to you. And I'm asking that you would get your own work accomplished through your word. That you would help us as a church to have a good understanding and and understand what you want us to get accomplished. And that we would take our place in accomplishing the Great Commission. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus very clearly in this passage gives us what we call the Great Commission. This is one of the Great Commission passages. There are five times he gives the Great Commission. There are five parts that make the whole. In this passage here in the Gospel record of Matthew, once again Jesus says in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. We're going to talk about that power in just a second. But aren't you glad that we don't have to do it by ourselves? God says all power is given to him and he is sending us out and he's going to equip us. He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. He is going to give us the power. None of us can save anyone. Only Jesus can save them. We're just instruments being used of God. It is God's power that does it. We're not stuck on our own. Then he gives us a clear command. Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. If we were going to summarize the Great Commission, we could say it goes in two parts. There's the reaching and the teaching. 
We're supposed to go out and win the world with the gospel. And then those that we win, we're supposed to teach them to go out and do the same. Now, someone will say, well, who are we supposed to go to? Who are we supposed to tell the this message to notice if you wouldn't mind God gives us the instructions verse 19 go ye therefore and teach all nations now the word nations here literally carries the idea of people groups or groups of people that share an identity because of culture location um, all that stuff now The Bible continues on in other places and it says all families. That has the idea of nation. It's carried in the idea of clan. Now, the idea of people groups here is not a geopolitical nation. So sometimes because of the way we're taught today is that when we think of a nation, we think of the United States. You think of Canada. You think of Mexico. You think of Brazil. We see those geopolitical things. However, the idea of nations goes beyond the geopolitical and they go into actually subcultures, people groups within a place. And God says we're supposed to go to all the people groups, not just to all the different countries of the world. There are about 250 countries in the world today, but there is over 26,000 people groups throughout the world. And God expects us to go to each one of these people groups. This isn't a new thing in the New Testament. Over a hundred times in the Old Testament is this idea of nations, this clan of these people groups used. In fact, look with me if you wouldn't mind in a couple places and see what God is saying about these people groups. Look with me just a couple chapters back, Matthew 24. Matthew 24 And notice God's heart and desire to reach all nations, all people groups. Notice with me Matthew 24 and verse 14. Matthew 24 and verse 14. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. So we have the world. For the witness to all nations. And then the end shall come. God says He wants to reach all these Um, not geopolitical groups, not these United States or Canada, but actually more specifically these people groups. Notice with me as he defines it a little bit further in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Revelation Revelation chapter 5, if you wouldn't mind. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5 verse 9, it says this, Revelation 5, 9, And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to open the book, or to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for (coughs) thou wert slain and hast redeemed us to God, there's that word redeemed by the way, has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and every tongue and people, and nation. Once again, this nation has the idea of these people groups here. God has a desire that every different language is represented, that every different people is represented, every nation, all these people groups. Notice if you wouldn't mind in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, once again we see the same idea, that God wants to reach these people groups. Uh, Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. And after this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palms in their hands. 
Now, imagine this scene, that God doesn't just want white people to go to heaven. He doesn't just want Americans or North Americans to go to heaven. He wants every little tribe, representatives from every different people group of the world. It doesn't matter where they are. God has a desire for everyone to get saved, everyone to hear the gospel. And at the end of time, when we're standing before God, he wants to have all different peoples standing before him, worshiping him, not just a certain group of people, but all different people groups. Now, if you don't mind, the second thing I want to show you really quick is not so much in the Bible, but I want to show you some different specific people groups that we have today and try to show you these are groups of people that do not have the Bible in their own language. Today, I should have brought a map. We have what is called the 1040 window. The 1040 window goes between uh, 10 degrees um, longitude, latitude, and four degrees lati- uh, 40 degrees latitude, a big gap going from, <coughs> excuse me, West Africa all the way to the Sea of Japan. And within this little window here, it includes 70 or 69 countries. And it has 60% of the world's population inside of what is called the 1040 window. Inside of this 1040 window, there is tons of people that do not have the Bible for their self. Can you imagine? You know, we're spoiled rich Americans. We can have the privilege of opening the Bible whenever we want. And we could read John 3.16 for ourselves. And we don't realize what a great privilege it is because there are literally billions of people around the world who cannot take a Bible for themselves and read it because they don't have the Bible in their own language. They're missing out. Maybe I could share some of these cultures with you. We have the Akka of Congo. They're literally about... 30,000 of them left, and they do not have the Bible in their own language. They, most people will know these, these culture as the pygmies. Literally, if they grow up to five feet tall, they're a giant in their culture. They're tall. Can you imagine that? Some of us would really out-tall, uh, um, really just giant over them. Now, these pygmies, they actually live in Central Africa. They actually live in the parts of the jungle where a lot of them have never seen a white person before. Now, where they live at, (coughs) the average life expectancy of these people are 32 years old. If you live past 15, the age of 15, you are probably going to live longer than everyone else because so many of them die at a young age. A young person is really helped a lot of responsibilities. Now, these Akka people, they don't have a written language. They're still one of the few ones that are truly hunters and gatherers living in the forest. Let me just try to grab some different things for you. They, um, they of course, believe in shaman and all this other stuff. <coughs> they believe that when their ancestor dies, it actually stays around and, and uh, wants and expects things. Now, for the rites of passage at birth, parents place protective cords made from forest vines around a baby's neck, wrist, and ankles. This is to protect the baby from bad spirits and help connect him or her to the forest. So from the time they're born, they they tie these little vines to them and they help them. By the time... um, 
During the teenage years, both boys and girls get their four incisor teeth and they file them down to points. And they just think that's a fad. They think it's cool. That's what they do as a, their idea of showing that we're independent kids. They, they file them down. Now the girls, they also do a lot of their bottom teeth as well. They sharp them down to little points. And that's how, they, that's how you could tell if she's really cute by the pointy teeth that she has. Again, that's the culture that they have. It's different to us, but that's their culture. They have different relationships. Uh, by the time... Um, oh, where's that thing? <coughs> oh, they had some cool things. I was trying to find them. I've been trying to study them and, and get the stuff up here earlier. Now, these kids, literally by the time... They are, um, <laughs> I want to make sure I get the right people here. By the time they're three years old, they can, they can um, hunt and fish by themselves. By the time they're 10 years old, they can survive in the jungle by themselves. It's just the culture that they're trained in. They have to be trained early to go ahead and hunt. These are the Aka people. These are people that do not have the Bible. They, you could not say, turn to your Bible to John 3.16. They could not because they do not have a Bible for themselves. That's an example of a people group. You have the, the Chakamez people. They're in Bangladesh. They're a, a big group in Bangladesh, but they don't have the Bible in their own language. In fact, in Bangladesh, you have the people who are natural Bangladesh people. These would be like the little Indians inside of Bangladesh. And they are so shunned and they're so, um, <coughs> so lost. They actually believe in one of their creation stories. They believe that one of their kings, in order to give them salvation, he takes his intestines out and washes them in the river, and that gives salvation to the rest of the tribe, to the rest of the people. And these are people that are still alive today. This is part of their culture, part of the way that they believe. You know, we're so westernized that we almost think that everyone lives and has TV and stuff. But there's a lot of people that's out there that have never heard of Jesus. They've never heard uh, of the gospel. In fact, many of these people, Buddhist people have come in and they believe a lot of Buddhism. They believe that if they, uh, they believe that if you, don't die correctly, you could get reincarnated and you keep getting reincarnated until you finally get it right and you reach a place of bliss where you become one with the world. Another example of, of an unreached people group of a different nation is the Kunas people in Panama. They literally call them the white Indians. When the Spanish came over, over 1% of these Indians, they live on 400 islands off of, of Panama, they are actually albinos. Albino Indians. And, and they're shunned from the rest of culture. They don't speak Spanish, which is the language of Panama. So here's a group of people that can't even read a Spanish Bible because they don't read Spanish. They don't have a Bible of their own. There's no way they could see the truth of the gospel. A missionary would have to try to learn their language, but he wouldn't have the ability to show them from the Bible because they have no Bible. And you have these Kunez people. Uh, let me just do... Eh, one or two more. You have the Kunez people. You have the uh, Pima Baja of Mexico. Now, normally in our country, we have a big thing with immigration. And when we have an idea of Mexican people, we often think of poor people who have crossed the border to try to make a better life. 
Well, these would be the rejects of Mexico. They don't speak Spanish. And the people in Mexico who are poor and starving and because of socialism and things going on, they see these guys as the, the poor people in Mexico. So you can imagine how shunned and how poor they are. They refuse to speak Spanish. They have their own language. So the government has actually blocked them off and refused to help them out. So they're just stuck. And there's different tribes within Mexico that don't speak Spanish. They refuse to. And they don't have a Bible for their own language. You have people like the, the West Gorge of Ethiopia. These are actually Jewish people living in Ethiopia that they claim their lineage came from Solomon. According to their story that when the Queen of Sheba went to go visit Solomon that they had a child. That child went back to Ethiopia where they said Sheba was from and they had a royal lineage and that king's lineage that supposedly came from Solomon actually sat on the throne until... uh, Italy and World War II tried to take them over. And so they had a long uh, lineage. They actually believed themselves to be the true Jewish people coming from Solomon where the rest of the Jewish people had, had rejected God and had, had lost everything and the temple been destroyed. They say that they care. By the way, they also say they have the Ark of the Covenant too. So, you know, that's how it is. But those group of people in Ethiopia, they don't have a Bible in their own language. They have some of the Old Testament scriptures, but they don't have any New Testament scriptures. They couldn't read the wonderful things that Jesus has done in their own language. And so as we can see that kind of like the people in Mexico, here we think of missionaries to Mexico, but we have no missionaries to the Indians in Mexico trying to reach those people with the Lord. So even within countries, we can have an unreached people group and God's desires to go into all nations. There are over 26,000 people groups in the world today. And these are people that God wants at least one person from each of these 26,000 people groups to be at the throne of heaven worshiping him. And God has tasked us with getting the job done. So going back to the Bible. So I talked about the people groups. I want to show you, if you wouldn't mind, Paul's plan for reaching the unreached. Paul's plan for reaching the unreached. Turn with me, if you wouldn't mind, to the book of Romans, chapter 15. The book of Romans, chapter 15. You've heard me say several times lately, God expects us to accomplish the Great Commission within our lifetime. But it's not going to happen about the way that we're doing things now. The 1040 window has been the 1040 window for a hundred something years. It's been unreached for a hundred something years and we have done nothing to close that window, to make it smaller, to reach in there. We have to admit that what we've been doing has not worked. So what does the Bible say about reaching the unreached? What did Paul come up with a plan? Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 15. Romans 15 and notice starting in verse number 18. Romans 15 starting at verse 18. The apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For I will not dare to speak of any things which Christ hath not wrought in me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Though mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Iricarium, 
I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall... Er, See, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But I have now, but now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contribution for the poor saints that are at Jerusalem. And it hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is all is also to minister to them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this I, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. So here we have, Paul had a plan to preach to Spain. You say, why is this a big deal? Because at the time that Paul is writing this, Spain is an unreached country. They have no recorded churches in Spain. And Paul had a desire to go to Spain and go reach those people for the purpose of spreading out the gospel. Now, Paul's plan had always been go into a major city and to go ahead and start a church preaching the gospel and then teach the people to go out and start other churches. The great example is in Acts chapter 19 where Paul goes to Ephesus. He starts to Ephesus. He goes to first of all to those that have the scriptures and the synagogues. Begins to preach with them until they finally kick him out after three months. And then what they do is he started a Bible institute teaching at the school of one Tyrannus. And for the space of two years, he preached at Ephesus teaching people. And all of Asia Minor, all of Turkey, heard the gospel in two years' time. Why was this so important? He wanted to make sure that everyone heard the gospel. So he trained people to go out and tell them. In fact, it's out of this Bible institute that the church of Colossae was started. Paul never started the church of Colossians. That was started by someone out of the Bible Institute, someone that he had trained. And they went out and spread the gospel. We have to go out and do the same thing. We have to make a plan to go out and how to reach these people. Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me add to this if you wouldn't mind. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Notice in verse number 16. 2 Corinthians 10, 16, the Bible says, To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line, which was made ready at our hand. Here, once again, he's talking about, I don't want to build on another man's foundation. I want to go where the lost people are at. You know, we have that same desire here, that we don't want to be keepers of the aquarium. We want to be fishers of men. I'd rather lead people to the Lord than steal them from someone else's church. You know, every time they come from a different church, by the way, they always bring baggage. 
we want to see people come to know the Lord and teach them ourselves and send them out and teach them how to go soul winning. This idea of multiplication. We've gone over this before when we talked about discipleship and the miracle of multiplication. But just for reminder's sake, if we had one person teaching another person for a full year and both of them soul winning, and then the next year those two people take another two, and the next year those four take another four, and the next year those eight take another eight, and the next year those 16 take another 16, and the next year those 32 take another 32, and the next year the 64 take another 64. By the way, how many generations? That's only like six years. What would it be like to have 64 people training in this church, another 64? Wouldn't that strengthen our church? Now, with that multiplication, with it just going that away and us obeying the Lord, we could win the entire world in 30 years. It can be done. The problem is that we're not obeying and we're not seeking God's power and we're not coming for a plan of action. We're not trying to figure out how to do things. In fact, most churches are involved in missions the way that I would run the Boston Marathon. If I decided I was going to be crazy enough to go in the Boston Marathon, I would not run the Boston Marathon to win it. I would run the Boston Marathon just to say, woohoo, I did it. That is how most churches uh, treat the Great Commission. They just send some missionaries out and pass out a few tracks. And they say, woohoo, we did something. We were a part of it. But we're not really working to win or to accomplish the Great Commission. We have to reorganize our thinking. We have to think outside the box. We have to figure out and go back to the Bible and figure out how to do this. We're not even close to closing the 1040 window. You say, what do we do? How do we figure this out? Well, what if we did something like this? We said that we had 26,000 different people groups of the world, right? Do you know that we have a close to or over 26,000 independent Baptist churches in, in the country as far as we know? Now, I know that it may not be all the same striper stuff, but what would happen if one of those churches adopted their own people group and they studied them and they prayed for them? And they searched for a missionary who might be going to them. They would be involved and be know, uh, get to know if there's anyone trying to translate a Bible to them. Maybe they would even pray that someone from their own church would be a missionary as they emphasize it so much that someone would actually be a missionary to those people. And that each Baptist church prayed for one pe- people group and made it their obligation, their goal. And if every Baptist church took one people group couldn't we send a witness to each and every one of those people groups don't you think that is reasonable don't you think that could accomplish something now it can be done especially missionaries are doing their work but we're going to have to reorganize our thinking now not to knock Brazil but we have more missionaries in Brazil than any other country in the world combined now Brazilians need it. They need the Lord. I'm not trying to knock that. But we're not sending missionaries to these lost countries. When's the last time you heard of a missionary going to Uzbekistan? We had a missionary friend to Uzbekistan until the KJB threw him out. We have so many closed countries. Think of Nepal and the Himalayans. That is a closed country. We know a couple missionaries there. But, you know, that's part of the 1040 window. When's the last time you saw someone so excited? God has called me to Iran and I'm going to go preach to those people. Don't we need a witness over there? Shouldn't we find someone and pray? But 
once again, we need to rethink the way that we do missions. We need to rethink the way that we obey the Great Commission. And by the way, if we're expecting them to win people, we need to win people ourselves. Do you know that the, the largest English-speaking mission field in the world is the United States? We have more English-speaking lost people who are dying and going to hell in our own country. We have, we are the fourth largest mission field in the world. We have the fourth largest population of lost people in all of the world. You say, well, I can't go to the mission field. Yes, but you know, you could reach people here. Do you know that the largest Turkish city in all the world, so the city that has more Turkish people in all the world is Detroit, Michigan? There are more Turkish people in the city of Detroit than any other city, including all of Turkey, in the world. How many people? What is the, uh, the people that's here in Green Bay? There's a whole bunch of them. We ran into them the other day. The Kong people, is that what it is? The, the Hmong people, right? Don't you think that maybe we should try to do an outreach to them? Wouldn't it be nice to have a Hmong uh, Sunday school class? Wouldn't it nice to be have a German-speaking Sunday school class, a Korean-speaking Sunday school class? Why can't we find the people here and reach them and train them and then send them back to their home people and let them go witness to them? Couldn't we be involved in missions now? What about just even trying to organize our efforts here? What if you made your neighborhood your mission field? And what you did for a summer as you were the missionary to that mission field. And that you would treat that area that you carved out for yourself just like you would expect a missionary to do. To go out and reach the people. Start a little Bible study. Start praying with them. Start to, to make it your thing. This is my mission field. Hey, even bus them in. Say, hey, we'll get some cars, get a van, do something. And bring them in. But to say, take ownership, to take your responsibility. This is my mission field. This is what something that I can do for the Lord. But you see, we have to get involved. We can't just watch the slides and get a little tear. We have to change the way we're going to do things if we're going to be obedient to what God has given us. And we need to because God wants to reach every nation. Now, the real issue is power. Turn back with me to the gospel record of Matthew chapter 28 where we started. Matthew 28. One of the real problems we have is we have no power. And that is our fault, not the Lord's fault. Notice with me Matthew 28 in verse 18 again. The Lord Jesus Christ says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Do you know that God has all power? And he has the ability to get the job done. He's looking for willing vessels to take their parts, to take their place in it. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, the gospel record of Luke 24. Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven. And he gives them instructions. Luke 24. Luke 24. You see, the idea is 
is who's in charge, who's it depended on. It's got to be dependent upon the Lord. Luke 24, verse 49, notice this. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until we, ye be endued with power from on high. Notice that word until. That's very specific. He says, I want you to stay here. I don't want you to do anything else until you receive power. Then you to be witnesses. Acts 1.8 says the same thing. That you'll receive power and then you'll be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. But it's the idea of power. What did Jesus tell him to do? To sit there and wait on God until they receive the power. How different would our witnessing be if we prayed for an hour and went out for five minutes rather than pray a little 30 second prayer and go out for an hour? You see, we need God's power. It has to be God that does it. We just have to be willing vessels. We have to get to the place where we just say, God, you're in charge. Tell me what to do and depend on him to do it. We just have to rethink the whole thing. And so as we're just trying to talk about the vision of the work, we're trying to describe what the Bible says, I want to give you a hope that it can be done. And it should be done. And we're going to stand before God and give an account why it wasn't done. But it's going to take some action on our part. We're going to have to surrender ourselves and say, God, use me. God, change my thinking. God, teach me. And then we're going to have to do our part here as a church and then helping others go out and do the same thing. But we have to reevaluate how we need to get things done. Again, so many churches participate in missions, but there's no urgency, there's no desire, there's no thing of trying to get it done. It's just something we do. And we have to change that and say this is something God wants us to get done and try to take steps to get it done. I know that there's several churches that have tried to organize this. I was working with one, a Temple Baptist Church in Powell. They actually tried to identify churches who would take one of these people groups. We could take one ourselves and find out, is there any missionary there? Who's trying to translate it? Who's working on it? And if there is none, to pray. And as soon as we hear one, we want to get behind that person and support them to make these people ours, to make so we get a heart for them. You know, sometimes it's not real until it's personal, personable. That's why missionaries love their slides. You finally get the kids or the starving kids who, who if they eat some rice, their, their throat sticks out. And I'm not trying to be mean. But, you know, we see these slides and we finally get an emotional response. But if we pray for someone often enough, what will happen is our heart will change towards it. But it all has to begin with God. And then we have to have a proper response. So someone says, well, preacher, you talked a whole bunch tonight. What are we supposed to do with this? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, you need to be a faithful witness yourself. Carry tracks. Be ready for those divine appointments that God sets in your path. Be prepared to get in board with what God is doing. Second thing we could do is that we as a church can start praying and preparing 
not only to give birth to other churches. We talked about that this morning. Every healthy organism reproduces itself. But we need to be aware about our missionaries. Now, I purposely didn't say anything during our prayer meeting because I wanted to do it now. On the beginning of each one of our prayer uh, things, we highlight a missionary for the week. If you want to truly be involved in missions, write the missionary, email the missionary, Facebook the missionary if they have it. It will encourage them so much, but if you take steps to get to know the missionary, the more personable you are with a missionary, the more likely you are to pray for them. They need to be more than just names on a page. If we said that we're going to support them, they need our prayers more than our money. They need our prayers more than our money. The third thing is the money. We're going to talk about Faith Promise Missions on Wednesday. But above and beyond our tithe and offering is a faith promise. The tithes and offerings are used to take care of the bills and the support of this local church. But the faith promise is above and beyond that by faith stretching ourselves for the purpose of helping get the gospel around the world. And we need to be engaged in that. We need to be leaders in that. We need to be the example of that. What has God given us to do? He's given us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Not just to Wisconsiners or whatever y'all call yourselves. God wants us to reach everyone. He wants to see every tongue, every kindred, every nation worshiping Him at His throne. And it's going to have to take a rethinking, an outside of the box. It's going to have to take a reevaluating and going back and seeing what the Bible says to get the job done. I guess maybe another thing I'm asking you to do is to pray for your crazy preacher as we lead this church to obeying the Lord and the Great Commission because it's going to mean that we're going to do some things a little bit different. It's going to mean that we're going to do some things that are not traditional. It's going to mean that we're going to have to take our place in accomplishing the Great Commission. And as we take our place, it will influence others. But we need to take our part. The world can be one if we just do it God's way.